Welcome to Arise Life, a community of believers being equipped, empowered, and released into their destiny. For more information, go to arisealife.org or follow us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. A few months ago, someone posted this question that said, who's writing your story? And I was like, Jesus, duh. Turns out that was the wrong answer. Um, the, The writer went on to talk about King David and how he was one of the greatest kings of Israel, and yet he did not write his story. There's no book of David in the Bible. And so does anyone know who actually got to write his story, his battles, his losses, his victories, the lion, the bear, Goliath? Who wrote that? Anybody know? Samuel. Samuel got to write that story. And so that question, who's writing your story, in the sense that, you know, the American ideal is, I'm a self-made man, I'm a self-made woman. But reality is that there have been people that have come alongside of you who have prophesied over you, who have inspired you, encouraged you, corrected you, challenged you, gave you a platform, gave you an opportunity, opened a door. And so all that to say that I honor. I honor our pastors, Peter and Masha, because it is a privilege to be up here. And it is a privilege to be just a small part of the story of Arise that you are writing And I know that um, titles aren't our thing, but you are much more than pastors. The apostolic call in your life to plow and to build and to take territory, we thank you for the territory that you've already taken and for the seeds that you've planted and watered. So thank you for your trust. A couple years ago, um, it was New Year's, and, you know, during the New Year's, everyone's kind of making goals, short-term goals, long-term goals. They're going to start their fasts, you know, Daniel's fast, going to do all the things, New Year's resolutions. And I was inspired by some random guy on Instagram, but I was inspired (laughs) to do this Bible reading plan called The Shred. And it was basically read the whole Bible front to back in 21 days. And it was like something crazy, like 35 chapters a day. It was intense, but I wanted the bragging rights to this thing. (laughs) Okay, because just the name alone, The Shred, it's like, it's just like a heavy weight in the spirit, you know, like, oh, you did your one year Bible reading plan. That's cute. Let me tell you about The Shred. I quit on day five. (laughs) And it wasn't even like the fifth consecutive day. It was like day eight trying to catch up to day five. You know, it's somewhere mid-Deuteronomy. But in my defense, I did have a one-year-old, never slept, clearly not thinking, right? So every time I picked up the Bible, it was like, and out. But it was good because it took me back to the beginning of the book. And if you grew up in church like I did, you've got 23 seasons of Sunday school under your belt. Like you've colored all the pictures, you've sang all the songs. You know the stories, like those main foundational ones, um, creation, Abraham, Moses. You're like, I know those things. But God happens to be in the details. And it takes some intentional digging 
to really grasp the depth and the understanding and the revelation that's in there. So I went back to the beginning. And from the first pages of this book, we are introduced to a God who is a creator. And we have this opening scene of this empty, formless, shapeless void. The dark chaos. One commentary calls it confusion and chaos, and yet formless, shapeless, empty. And out of this dark, formless void comes the sound, let there be. And light and darkness separate. The sun and the moon are fixed into position and have not moved since. Life springs up from the earth and continues to do so, seed after seed, generation after generation, as if the sound of his voice is echoing through the ages with let there be. And when you're studying the Bible, there's something called the rule of first mention. And that rule, it just, it means exactly what it sounds like. It means the first time something is mentioned, it sets a precedent for the rest of the story. So here we're introduced to sound, to the concept of sound as a creative force. The sound of his voice demanded attention. The sound of his voice demanded a response. The sound of his voice demanded obedience. And if you know anything about sound, the science behind it, you probably know that sound moves in waves. It needs an atmosphere or air to travel upon or through. So, for example, the sound of my voice is traveling through the air of this room to reach your ears. In space, there is no sound. They say it's a deafening silence because there is no atmosphere to actually move upon. And so we have this moment where there's an empty, dark void, and the Spirit of God, the Ruach, the breath, the wind of God arrives on the scene and speaks creation into being. And then we see this moment where his hands are in the dirt and he's forming mankind in that same breath. He breathes into humanity and gives Adam not only life, but the ability to make a sound. He literally builds in something called the windpipe. Where there's breath, not only is there life, but there's also a sound. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Everything from the deepest roar of a lion to the barely audible whistle of a hummingbird. Everything was created for the glory of the one. And yet humanity was given free will to choose what glorifies But what is the purpose of a sound unless there is a hearer? So there's this incredible story in Genesis 16 
which is funny because Peter's mentioned this story multiple times in the last several weeks. It's the story of Abraham and Sarah, and they've gotten this promise from God, but they've taken matters into their own hands. And then we have Hagar, and she is running. She is running away. She's in the wilderness. She's in the desert. It's hot. It's dry, and she sees a fountain. And when she gets to that fountain, there's someone waiting for her there. And this is where we pick it up, Genesis 16, 11. And the angel of the Lord said to her, Behold, you are with child, and you shall bear a son, and you shall call his name Ishmael, which means the God who hears. This encounter is profound because this angel of the Lord, this is not a created being. This is not Gabriel or Michael or another created angel. This is the angel of the Lord, the same one who is going to come later in the flesh to meet another woman at a well and reveal himself as the living water. This is God, the son, Jesus pre-incarnation. And keep in mind, we're Genesis 16. We're not even halfway through the first book of the Bible. So God is still revealing facets of himself and his nature and his character to humanity. And it's not, it's not Abraham or Sarah that gets this revelation. It's Hagar, the one who's running. There's something about Jesus that meets you in the wilderness that hears the cry of desperation. Ishmael comes from two root words, El, which means God, and Shema, which means to hear. But in the Hebrew, to hear does not mean I perceive a sound of someone or something. To hear in the Hebrew means to allow to sink in deeply so that I can come into full understanding and evoke a response. Hearing and doing is the same thing. Hearing and doing is the same thing in the Hebrew. It demands an action in response to the hearing, which gives us a much deeper understanding of Romans 10, 17, faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. To hear in the Greek is akuo, which actually takes it one step further and it means to birth something within. Which is why faith without works is dead. Because if you have faith, you have heard. And if you have heard, it has birthed something in you that you cannot help but respond. That's a whole nother word on allowing the word to do the work. But here we have humanity that's been given the ability to have a sound. And we have a God who hears. And because he hears, he responds. And we live in a day and age where as science and technology continues to advance, 
it's getting harder and harder for them to look at all the details, on the, all the intricacies of the cosmos and the human body and nature and be like, oh, we were a total accident. It's getting harder and harder for them to deny that there is a creator who has intentionally woven our existence because God is in the details. And so I think it's common knowledge that um, all of us as individuals carry a unique fingerprint. Even identical twins, you can tell them apart by their fingerprint. But did you know that there is something called a voice print? A voice print is a digital model of the unique vocal characteristics of an individual. Characteristics such as tone, pitch, pace, formation of your vowels, the soft palate, the vocal cavities, and all the different characteristics that affect the sound of your voice. One developer was quoted saying, this is more than speech recognition, this is identity verification. And they use technology called the spectrograph that can literally map the sound of your voice. So your voice not only sounds like something, it looks like something. And this technology is already implemented in banking systems and call centers and medical facilities and your phones even have it. But how many of us have an understanding that there are spiritual principles that are in operation in the natural. That everything in the natural is just a reflection of what is already taking place in the spirit. So we have now reached a day and age where science is now catching up to a kingdom principle and can prove something that we already know as kingdom people, we already know that the sound, where in the natural, the sound of our voice can now unlock something that has been set apart and prepared for you and only you. And the same kingdom principle is in operation in the spirit realm where all of heaven has its ear inclined to hear the sound of your voice because there is something that has been prepared and set apart and positioned for you and only you and the key is the sound of your voice not my voice in the same way that I cannot repent for you I cannot forgive for you I cannot worship for you in the same way I cannot access what belongs to you because it's yours and it's your children's and it's your children's children's from generation to generation blessings favor ideas strategies mantles they're yours and they belong to you and the key is the sound of your voice i cannot access it i can try Peter can try, Masha can try, but the only thing they'll get is access denied. Access denied, identity unverified. There's a God who hears, and he has his ear inclined to hear the sound of your voice. What does your voice sound like in the throne room? What does our voice as one body as one community, as the church, the bride, what does it sound like in the throne room? 
few weeks ago, we met with the leaders of Kids Arise, and I was talking to them about how in order to move forward, we have to have an understanding that there's been a transition, that transition from Gen Z to Generation Alpha. And someone made a comment like, oh, we haven't heard much about them. And that's true. We haven't. Because that transition happened around 2012. So that first wave of gen Generation Alpha has been babies and toddlers and elementary school. And now they're headed into adolescence, into middle school, where they're going to begin to shake and test the foundation that they've been brought up in. So we will hear about them in the next several years as the world tries to define and label and tell us all the things that's wrong with them. But I've got four boys at home. My oldest is the last leg of Gen Z, and my younger three are Generation Alpha. So I'm watching some of this dynamic unfold at home. And I'm watching my two-year-old, and he walks up to our little Google home screen, and he's just the cutest, you wanna eat him. But he, wa he walks up to this Google home screen, and he goes, hey, Google, turn on, and he names his favorite show. And the thing lights up and says, okay, turning on, blah, blah, blah. And it turns it on, and he's sitting there beaming, because this thing not only heard him, not only understood him, but gave him the desires of his little heart. And then he goes upstairs, and up there we've got a little Amazon Echo, and he goes, hey, Echo, turn on the dump truck song. And it turns, okay, turning on the dump truck song, and it turns it on, and it's playing, and he's singing along, Happy Camper. And he's watching his brothers as they come up to these various things, and they're asking questions, what's the weather, who invented this, what's that definition of that? And it always seems to have the answers they're looking for. And it struck me that we've got an entire generation that is being shaped and formed by a world when they open they, their mouth, something responds and obeys. Not only does it give them the desires of their heart, but it has the answers they're looking for. They have no grid. This next generation has no grid for a world where that does not exist. How is it going to shape their little minds and their futures? But to be a church that can discern times and seasons, to be a church that can see in the spirit and recognize that the world is conditioning and teaching and training an entire generation with an empowered sense of their voice. And we may not understand what that means, but we do recognize that there is new territory to occupy. Because where the church does not stand, the enemy comes in with a counterfeit. Where the church does not stand, the enemy waltzes in with an alternative. We think witchcraft is bad now. We've got an entire generation coming up that wants things that happen at the sound of their voice. 
Can you imagine a church that prioritizes in the generation that has an empowered voice? That equips them and empowers them to walk in the spirit. That teaches them the power of the name of Jesus. That when they open their mouth and say, be healed in Jesus' name, that spirit of infirmity has no choice but to up and out. That when they open their mouth to prophesy, the words of their mouth birth something in the hearer's ears and soul and destiny. Can you imagine a generation that walks in the same boldness, identity, and authority in the spirit? Out of the mouth of babes. It's Christianese. We say that phrase all the time. Just throw it out there. But there's a second half of that verse that we're not quite as familiar with. It's Psalm 8 too. And out of the mouth of babes is the King James Version. I'm going to read you the NIV. Through the praise of children and infants, you have established a stronghold against your enemies to silence the foe and the avenger. A stronghold of the Lord. We like to think of strongholds as the demonic ones, the ones we come against, the ones we break down. But how many of you know that Satan doesn't have original ideas? He only has what God has already established and what he's seen. And he just makes the antithesis of it. A stronghold of the Lord is a place of defense, a place of security, a place of safety, a place of refuge. In the spirit a stronghold is a mindset, a belief system. So what is Psalm 8.2 telling us? That through the praise of children, God builds a mindset, a belief system that acts as a defense system that is not easily shaken. A defense system that comes against the voice of the enemy who is out to devour an entire generation that is called to usher in a revival. When we put a song in their mouth, when we put truth in their mouth, when they're declaring and when they're singing it over themselves, they may not fully understand, but we're building a defense system against the voice of the enemy. I don't allow secular music in my house. Call me religious, call me legalistic, don't care. Because I know what I'm building. I know what I'm building. So when my kids are in their rooms and it's quiet and they're playing, they don't even notice it. They're just playing with their dinosaurs. Hail, hail, lion of Judah. T-Rex. And when they lay their heads on the pillow and it's dark and the lights are out and it's finally quiet in the room, I can hear one of them. Oh, the overwhelming, never-ending, reckless love of God just comes out. Because I know what I'm building. 
There was one weekend a few weeks ago, I was playing the same song over and over again, 25 times. Serge walks in like, this one again? I'm like, yes, there's something on it. Play it again, Google. Play it again. Because let me tell you, that night, one of my boys who the enemy likes to come and torment in the night with thoughts and dreams, and he's having a hard time sleeping, he's tossing and turning, and I'm just like, buddy, do your declaration. Then he does his declaration, then it gets quiet, and I can hear him singing the song from that morning. A sound mind for the spirit of fear. A sound mind so that I could see clearly. I know what I'm building. I know what I'm building. My mouth establishes praise to silence the enemy. We literally just said this. We say it almost weekly in our declaration, our tithe. Do we understand what we're saying? Do we understand? Because there's a whole book of songs in here. And it wasn't because David needed a musical outlet. No, because he found a key. And he goes on and on and on. And high praise was on my tongue. 71, 8, my mouth is filled with praise and with your glory all day long. 103, 1, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. 34, 11, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. And I can't help but see this prophetic picture of the Old Testament and the New Testament where in the old, they would, they would gather these stones to build an altar. Abraham and Moses and Isaac, they would build, they would gather stones, stack them up, build an altar. The word altar in Hebrew means to slaughter. In the Greek, it means a place of sacrifice. So they would build these altars to mark moments with God. It was a place of divine intersection where God met humanity. It was a place of atonement, a place of covenant, a place of communion, a place of sacrifice. And they're gathering dead, lifeless rocks, stones. And then we see this prophetic glimpse from Ezekiel, Ezekiel eleven nineteen, And I will give them one heart and a new spirit, and I will remove the heart of stone from their flesh and give them a heart of flesh. A new spirit and a living, breathing, beating heart. And then we get to First Peter, and he's, he declares, and now you are like living stones. You're being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood. To do What? Offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. And now you are living stones. And I see this prophetic picture that when we walk into this building, when we gather, when we've come together as the body, the bride, we are laying ourselves down, the living stones laying ourselves down to build an altar where we're building and bringing a sacrifice of praise. Gathered by Jesus, the high priest, 
The same one who was the lamb who was slaughtered on that altar. The same one whose blood covers that altar and makes it possible for us to even step up boldly. And we lay ourselves down to build this altar of praise. Crying, let your fire fall here. Let your spirit fall here. Come and rest here. Come and speak here. Come and move here. The word worship means to lay prostrate. The word worship literally means to kiss the ground. And we lay ourselves down. And as we lay ourselves down, the sound of praise, the sound of worship rises up from the living stones into the heavens, into the throne room, because there is a God who hears, and because he hears, he responds. And then Peter continues, verse 9, but you are a chosen people. A royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession. Why? That you may declare the praises of him who called you out of the darkness and into his wonderful light. Why does this house exist? Why does Arise Life exist? Why do we gather? It tells us right here to declare the praises of him. We gather and we come together to build an altar and bring a sacrifice of praise. Because there is something powerful about a corporate sound. There is something powerful about a corporate anointing. When that united pursuit of his presence. Corporate worship, corporate praise, corporate sound. The Bible says where two or three are gathered, there I am with you. If we're honest with ourselves, we use that verse to make ourselves feel better. There's three people in the room and worship's starting. But if three people have come into agreement and he's there moving, what happens when 20 come into agreement? What happens when 50 come into agreement? What happens when an entire room comes into agreement with the spirit of God? What kind of praise? What kind of worship? What kind of sacrifice? What kind of sound makes the demons tremble? What kind of victories? What kind of healings? What kind of breakthroughs? When the people of God have united in spirit. In united pursuit of his presence. Because my Bible says where one puts a thousand to flight and two puts ten thousand to flight. What kind of breakthroughs? What kind of freedom do we step into when we've come into agreement? I would suggest to you that when the presence of God fills the room, he's not here to give you goosebumps. He's here on assignment. He's here to move and speak and do. And when Masha comes up here, 
to release the word of the Lord, a prophetic word over us. If we've allowed that word to sink in deeply and birth something in us, we cannot help but respond. When the prophetic song is being sung over us, the prophetic song has the power and the authority and the capacity to bring the kingdom of heaven on the earth. So what happens we come, when we come into agreement with what is being released. Hebrews 13, 15. Therefore, let us continually offer to God a sacrifice of praise. The fruit of lips that confess his name. That word confess, it isn't just to speak or declare out loud. That word confess means to also come into agreement with that name. Come into alignment with the name of Jesus. To be of the same mind. The word lips also has a dual meaning. It's the lips of your mouth, but it's also the lip of a pouring vessel. I pour out my praise. I pour out my worship. I pour out my adoration. May the fruit of my poor be a continual sacrifice of praise that brings me into alignment with the name above all names. There's a pouring out. There's a continual flow. Like a river. Can you hear the sound of a river? Can you imagine that with me? The sound of a river as it bubbles over itself, hitting the banks. The river of life flowing out of me. The river of life flowing out of you and those around you. What happens when those rivers unite as one? And I heard a sound like the roar of a great multitude, like the rushing of many waters, like a mighty rumbling of thunder, crying out, Hallelujah, for the Lord our God, the Almighty reigns. For the wedding feast of the Lamb has come and his bride has made herself ready. The sound of the bride in union with the bridegroom. The sound of many waters rushing into union with the river flowing from the throne. It is the sound of perfect alignment. And we talked about this last Sunday, the sound in the delivery room. The sound the entire room is expecting, the cry that's preceded by the breath. Because where there is no cry, there is no life. The cry is the sign of life. And all of heaven is waiting. The earth groans in anticipation. All of creation is waiting in expectation for the sons and daughters to be revealed. All of heaven is waiting on the sound of a living church. Because where there is life, there is a cry. And where there is a cry, there is the very breath of God. 
Jesus said, if they don't do it, the rocks will. The rocks will cry out. The dead ones, the lifeless ones. Where is the cry of the living stones? And can I suggest to you that there's also an enemy lurking and listening? Because the greatest act of faith I can do is to open my mouth in praise in the face of all his efforts. When you're in the midst of it all, when the arrows are flying, when the wilderness is desolate and lonely, when you're grieving, when grief and sorrow has gripped your soul, when fear has surrounded you, when your body is tired and sick, when provision is nowhere to be found, there's one response. It may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. Even when I don't see it, you're working. Even when I don't feel it, you're working. Because it's your breath in my lungs. So I'll pour out my praise. Yeah, but I don't sing. It's not about a song. It is about a sound. Joshua marched those walls six days and God gave him a key for the seventh. He said, blow the trumpets and make the sound. Shout your shout and watch your victory unfold. When Gideon was surrounded, God wakes him up in the middle of the night and says, go and listen. Go to the enemy's camp and listen to what they're saying about you. And when he gets back, he says, arise, arise, arise. Get your torches, get your jars, get your horns. And when I tell you, you break those jars and shout your shout and blow the horns. And when that sound echoed through the valley, the enemy turned on itself only to flee. Because the greatest, the greatest act of faith is me opening my mouth to praise in the midst of it all. Because my worship says, Satan, you don't get the victory here. God still gets the glory. God still gets the victory. Devil, you've only pushed me deeper into the arms of Jesus. Come at me because I'm just getting started. Would you stand with me? Worship team. This is why. The enemy works so hard to silence the church. This is why the enemy works so hard to shut down the voice of the saints. Silence is not an option. And it goes back to the garden. Because when God breathed into Adam, not only did he give him life, he gave him a sound. He gave him a tool. He gave him a weapon. And then he said, Adam, go subdue and take dominion. The birds of the sea, the birds of the sea, birds of the air, fish of the sea, and everything that's moving across the earth. Adam, go subdue. Why? 
there's an enemy roaming the earth. Adam, go subdue. There's a snake now in your garden. I know Eve gets a bad rap. (laughs) And don't get me wrong, I've got a beef with Eve too. Because you know what I didn't read in Genesis? Surprise that a serpent was talking. The Bible says it was a crafty snake. Which makes me wonder if that was the first conversation they've had. It's not in your Bible. Don't email me. But this is the thought process I have because I know the more you entertain him and his thoughts, the more bold he becomes even to question, did God say to the one who's been walking with him in the cool of the day? And that mandate to go take dominion, it was not canceled with the fall. It was transferred to you and I. So silence is not an option. And there's some of you here who have been under such intense pressure. It's been attack after attack after attack. And you feel like where once you could worship, where once you could pray, it's like something has muzzled you. where your voice has been shut down, locked up by the circumstances of life. And there's others of you here who may have lived years, your entire lifetime with a voice that's been stolen. Through people and circumstances and Abuse and manipulation in your voice has been invalidated. Maybe even as a child. And for some of you, it has even taken on a personality. It's become part of who you are. I'm shy. I'm shy. It's just who I am. And God is drawing a very distinct line this morning between being an introvert and being shy. Because an introvert is how you perceive the world, and being shy is a word curse that is rooted in the spirit of fear of man. And the word of the Lord for you this morning is come out of agreement. Come out of agreement because he did not give you a spirit of fear. He gave you power and love and a sound mind. And there's some of you here who have been going through a seasonal transition like we talked about last Sunday. That transition from in the womb to outside the womb. From one season to the next season and there's a cry that is rising up within you because it is so uncomfortable. But it's all there initiated by the very breath of God. He's there. And he's moving you from one season to the next. And it's okay. It's okay to let out the sound. So this altar is open. 
This space is open. If you have business with the Lord, this place is open. Don't leave the same way you came. For more information, go to AriseLife.org or follow us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram.